the value of a community is that close collaboration. It's also the strong relationship and the stickiness you can build between your organization and those customers. There's like an affinity, a strength of brand that goes beyond just the buy your software and I use your software. Hi, I'm your host, Magali Pellissier, and I'm a product manager. Welcome to Product Perspectives, the podcast for product people that gives a voice to their stakeholders. Each week, I show you the other side of a product. I interview the people who contribute to making products a success. They are engineers, writers, marketers, support analysts, UX designers, or even salespeople. Not only will I give them the credit they deserve, but we will uncover what makes a good product and a good product manager from their perspective. Stakeholder management is a key skill for product managers. So just as you are obsessed with listening to your customers, let's hear from your stakeholders. My guest today is Scott Baldwin. Scott is a product management leader and a longtime member of the Vancouver product community with a deep interest in helping others find their opportunity in product management. He is currently at Product Board, where he works as the community lead and product evangelist. Prior to Product Board, Scott led product teams at Thinkific, Finding Digital, Central One Credit Union, Innovera Solutions, and Bluezone Entertainment, and held various roles in user experience. Thank you very much for being with me today, Scott. You are a community lead and a product evangelist at Product Board, and I see you very active on all the communities. So can you elaborate on your role and how these two sides come together? The evangelist is really focused on kind of what I would describe as like awareness and acquisition. So I spend a lot of time, of, a lot of my time in other communities, whether it's talking about product, whether it's answering particular questions that people might have about product or the journey into product, sharing resources that maybe we have available at Product Board, and then also helping people understand the value of Product Board and what it can bring to their organizations and their teams. So that's the, the sort of, I guess, first part of the evangelism part of it. The second part of the evangelism part of this is really like me presenting elsewhere on various product topics or themes. Maybe things like appearing on podcasts like yours here today, being a voice for product board externally, generally speaking, is kind of what I'm involved in that side. That comes in a lot of different formats. Again, it might be me presenting an event. It might be running, running a workshop for somebody. It might be conversation starter or another conversation or discussion that's actually related more to their organization and how best we can support them on that side. So that's the first part of it. Then the, the sort of community side of it largely comes down to essentially focusing essentially on the, the community aspect of running our own product makers community. Our product makers community is a complement to the work that we do here at Product Board. It's a community of practice and it's really the goal there is obviously to bring together like-minded people who are working in this particular domain or space of building product. That takes lots of different shapes and lots of different roles as part of that. And bring them together essentially to collaborate and connect and, and learn from each other. So prior to this, you led product teams and you work in product management actually. So what's your background and how did you end up in those roles? That's a pretty long story, but I have a pretty diverse background. My original education is actually in music. Played professionally for a number of years and then came out of the book, sort of out of the music industry into the book industry industry of all places, working both in the retail book industry as well as the book publishing space. During that time, that's when I first started really kind of dabbling in tech. I mean, the internet was still pretty new at that stage. You know, this thing called Netscape was around and we were all in dial-up modems and doing stuff like that. An interesting time where I think we were all essentially able to kind of learn collaboratively, learn together. And a lot of the people that were like 
doing it really, really well, we're just almost as close to the people that were just starting out and doing it. And so a lot of people were very accessible and very available. And so I started basically dabbling most, well, a lot of people in building websites and code and practicing a little bit of like, you know, how to organize web content and thinking about the kind of the user experience and thinking about what, how that was coming together. And at the same time, lots of different organizations were starting to develop products in the web. They were starting to think about how the web could be used to create commerce and do lots of different things. And so for the very first time, I managed to really get a chance. I went from doing some websites. The original project I was working on here actually was an actor who was on the X-Files TV show. He was a comedian. He knew another fellow who was also a comedian who happened to be part of a startup. That startup was building a convergence platform for broadcasters. And this is a time when we didn't have you know, iPhones and all this kind of digital convergence that we see today. And I really got a chance with a group of people to basically jump into my very first product role. And so that gave me a, the first sort of, I guess, touch point on dealing with the technology, dealing with the user and the experience of that, and dealing with kind of the business aspects of it. Tons of customer interaction. It was really, really exciting in that. And then I, I ended up kind of progressing out of that particular role kind of towards the end of the dot-com time. when I think a lot of companies kind of blew up and changed. And the web kind of had to go through its next let's call it stage of maturity in some way. And I fell into a role in banking after that. And so I spent a number of years working in banking in different sectors. And again, like just for context on, I guess, maybe the, the age that I bring to this and the experience. I mean, this is back at the time, just when like the Agile Manifesto was being written. You know, some of the things that we all take for granted today here as product people weren't really around and weren't really in place. The tools, the technology, the processes, the way in which we work, even the way we all think about product. Okay, that's a long journey and very interesting background. I think this embodies a skill that is particularly important for product managers, which is curiosity, exploring things on your own and also being hands-on and then trying to, to craft things yourself. Yeah, definitely. I think the most interesting part for me in a lot of ways was I got an opportunity. The, the chance to break into product today is very complex for a lot of people. You know, there's very few roles. Like I often joke with people that product often makes up like two or 3% of an overall product organization's headcount. Very small number of roles and a very large, you know, engineering product design based organization. And I was fortunate at the time in that particular, you know, point of my career to, to get an entry point. And today it's a little harder for people to find those entry points. Yeah. And I think we're going to touch later on that. How can people become product managers? So, You've also held roles in UX. What are your main takeaways from this experience? First is really the importance of starting with the problem and the user's needs. Here at Product Board, we have a kind of approach we call product excellence. And that product excellence really places a special emphasis on building the right features the right way. And it really focuses on understanding user needs. And that means, you know, obviously less wasted effort working on the features that users don't need, which I think is like really important to a lot of product people. And it also means that users essentially get get value essentially in the shortest amount of time as possible. And so I think back to like the user experience piece, Delight was a really important part of this, like in starting with the user, like really understanding the core problem we were trying to solve before we jump to this other portion of things, which would be exploring the solution and how best to solve it. The second part of this really is kind of the importance of discovery. And in particular, on the discovery side, the importance of that being continuous and towards a particular outcome versus an output. I think as a, as a user experience practitioner at that point in time, you know, I was working in, I think, a bit more of what I would describe as a user experience research to a large degree. But I was also doing a lot of things like the wireframes and the different kinds of work that we were doing. And a lot of organizations were working pretty waterfall at that particular point in time. They were building things in the classic fashion of we would do this body of work and then we would throw it over the fence at the next team and they would do their body of work and we'd throw it over the fence. And progressively at the end, a lot of those things kind of 
got lost in the shuffle and it wasn't very continuous. It wasn't very iterative. And so I really enjoyed the iterative side of that user experience work. And I you know, tried to bring that into the product work that I did later on on that side. And the last part really that kind of stood out for me is kind of a real key takeaway from the user experience work is really the value of collaboration. And the value of collaboration takes lots of different shapes. It could be you know, collaboration with your customers. Like it was you know, great to get on a whiteboard or up with a wall full of sticky notes or in a meeting and conversation with a customer, you know, really exploring a little bit of the root details of the stuff they were doing, but also getting in and really understanding like the business and where the problems were and where we were going. And then the other side of that was a like collaboration with your product peers and kind of the organization as a whole and how best to approach that. And the products aren't built alone by product managers. They're built by diverse teams that build diverse skill sets, diverse perspectives to the work that we're going to go and do. And that there were lots of opportunities to do that work better. And so like those three really amazing experience work became this like foundation. And that foundation carried over to a lot of how I thought about product later on when I got to do product work. Yeah. And it resonates with a previous episode where Pamela Sanchez, she's a UX designer, and she was telling me that one of the things she liked the most about working with the product manager she was working with is that they work together. She's not just mm. handed over some requirements. She's really part of the decision making and not just Design. Yeah, exactly. I think sometimes people get stuck in the maybe the swim lanes of product, as you might want to describe it, and that I only do this and this is the spot where I stop and start. And if you really look at a lot of, you know, you come back to like the Agile Manifesto and all these kind of core ways of working, they're highly collaborative. They're intentionally trying to get to the root of the problem quickly, also to test and validate things and be able to fail and, and, and progress. The best products we build are the ones that we do that together as a group versus as, as, as individuals. And by together, we also mean involving the users. So yes, I want to exactly. touch on your role as a community lead. What do you think is the biggest value from having a community of users? So the value for having a community for product managers is probably first and foremost, learning and understanding your customers' needs. So I think like, I'm going to tell a little story here, basically. It's like, you think back to like product board and when we essentially were creating our product for the very first time, you can go back to 2014 when the company started, I think, or something like around there. But basically, we created our own first product community kind of around the time that we actually made our product for the first time available. And we brought our customers or the people that were interested in using that product closer to us, gave us an opportunity to learn, to collaborate with them, understand the problems and challenges they were having with our product. And that community was structured as a product community. Its goal was to intentionally learn about our product. This is very different than our community today, which is one that's a community of practice with a community of product embedded within it. We still continue to learn from our customers. We still continue to learn from the users that are trialing or working with our software or are wanting to utilize it. The value of a community is that close collaboration. It's also the strong relationship and the stickiness you can build between your organization and those customers. There's like an affinity, a strength of brand, and you know, sort of other qualities of a deeper relationship that goes beyond just the buy your software and I use your software that comes from those kind of kind of community interactions. Yes. And that reminds me of my days at Anaplan where we had such a strong and amazing community of users. Yeah. I mean, the Anaplan community has got great reputations in the larger community space. I could totally understand uh, the value we got from that as a product manager. So now you've got a community of product managers. So what are the main challenges faced by product managers based on the insights from this community? Yeah, so our, I mean, our, to clarify, our community isn't just built for product managers. It's built for anybody who's essentially building product. So like, again, coming back to that collaborative role, 
and that it isn't just product managers who build product. Our, our, our community is focused on product managers. I say prob- predominantly probably make up the makeup of the audience. But there's product designers, operations people, engineers, product marketers, all the roles that are essentially part of that journey are kind of represented in the community. And so like some of the, the main challenges we hear from a, a product dimension perspective is this role is a challenging role. You know, PMs face lots of different challenges as part of it. It's very fast-paced, very challenging work. It's certainly not for everybody in terms of the makeup of things. But there are also lots of very broad challenges you hear as part of this pretty continuously. Things like stakeholder alignment, outcomes over outputs, making good decisions about what to prioritize, how best to work with my peers. And then there's questions in here, obviously, that are too related to our software, like how best to use the software to meet a particular outcome. So the main sort of challenges I kind of see in PMs really are quite diverse. You know, if we look at, say, for example, someone who's new to their product career, they're really trying to understand, like, how best tackle this product thing? What does good look like? How do I best deliver product in a way that's efficient, that gets everybody involved, engages them, that keeps the user in mind, that helps me really deliver excellent products, thinking about all those different parts. You know, if I'm maybe mid-level career, I might be more organized or more thinking about like the challenges I'm running into and managing stakeholders and getting alignment and getting to the core of the decision about what to build in an effective way. And then if I look at something like more senior, you know, they might be more interested in you know things of like aligning their teams or getting their organization bought into the plan and direction of the product and where it's going. It doesn't mean those don't distribute down to different levels. You might have people at the junior level that have those senior problems or vice versa. And this again comes back to like the value community provides, right? It's an opportunity for you to put those out there to other people, hear how they're solving them and get different perspectives on that you can bring essentially into your toolkit or your tool belt as a product manager to solve those problems in your organization. We should add that on top of the community, which is this online forum, you also have those events where basically... The, the audience dictated the agenda. So we all posted on a mirror board topic we wanted to talk about, a challenge we faced as a product first, and then discussed it all together. Yeah, exactly. Those are I mean, really great from a peer collaboration perspective. The best way to kind of collaborate with a product evangelist is to understand what that product evangelist is trying to achieve, understand the places where they can play or where they can contribute. You mentioned at some point prioritization and how that can be a challenge for PMs. How can you help PMs who struggle with what to build first and where to invest? When it comes to prioritization, one of the biggest roadblocks to effective prioritization ultimately in the end is focus. We all have a lot of trouble, interestingly, in products sometimes saying no and seemingly want to kind of do it all. And in the end, there aren't essentially endless resources And we have to be ruthless as product people about making the choices about what we're going to do. There's that sort of, you know, very famous kind of Steve Jobs quote about focus, where he said, you know, something to the extent of, and I think this has probably been re-paraphrased, phrased a thousand times over around, but, but people think focus means saying yes to the thing you've got to focus on, but that's not what it means at all. It means saying no to the hundreds of other good ideas that there are. You have to pick carefully. And I think what he was trying to get to essentially as part of that core of that is really important and really critical to the really the best product teams. They're deeply aware of their needs of their customers. They have clarity on the target customer and target audience that they're trying to serve. And they're able to make the choices that help them hone in on the opportunities that are sizable enough, painful enough to be valuable to the customer and solve them in just the right way and at the right level of fidelity to get to that value. Why PM struggle with that is the inability to focus, the ability to take the time to do the discovery, understand the problem in some cases, or to make the hard 
calls with the right data and the right inputs to say why this is an important thing to focus on, which really comes back to ultimately in the end, your product vision, your product strategy, the outcomes and objectives you have for your product team. Yeah. Thanks for quoting Steve Jobs. This is one of my go-to quotes as well. I love it. <laughs> Great. So at Product Board, you also create a tool that helps to make the life easier for product managers. But if you just bring the technology, it's not enough to solve the problem. The fact that you just bring a tool doesn't mean that people are going to use it. There is a whole piece around change management. So what needs to change for PMs to adopt the technology? And what's critical to have in a tool to make it a success in an organization? Yeah, this is a, this is a pretty big question. So I'm going to try to split it up. So if I think about like adopting a new tool or like any, let's think about any change, even if it's not a, necessarily a piece of software, essentially it's part of that. There's really a few things to kind of consider as part of this. And I, I wrote an article last year about this that are actually, I think I'll move back to 2020 that might be kind of interesting on the topic. But I kind of split out a little bit of what I described essentially as the common sort of frameworks related to change management. The first part of this is really understanding the purpose behind the change. And so bringing in a new piece of software, the team might be not quite ready for that piece of software or not really understanding the context of why that software is sort of showing up. And so as a team, we need to prepare them to understand like why the change is happening and ultimately the value we're hoping to deliver as a result of that change. So getting to kind of the, I guess the core of that really is the why. Why are we doing this? You know, why is this going to help us? How is this going to help us? And really like why this the software is going to you know, provide us with some capabilities that maybe we don't have today in our product team. The second sort of part of this is really the people part of it. And I think the mistake a lot of people make in making change in general is they don't involve the people who are actually impacted by the change in the actual change exercise. The senior people go off into a little room and they all theorize and plan and determine essentially what the fact the changes that they want to make and how it's going to be rolled out and done. But And then they show up and they tell everybody this is the plan and the Everybody kind of goes like, no, I'm not going to do that. And there's a lot of rebellion often against it. And so when it really comes down to making that change happen, you really need to involve those people directly in thinking through about that change effort. Bring some of those resistors and influencers along essentially from the ride as part of that. It's really about co-creation versus like a democracy, right? It's not about trying to get everybody to agree. The third part of this is really about thinking about the priorities. Often when people implement particular pieces of software or make a change kind of occur in the organization, they think about tackling everything all at once. And the capacity to manage all of that stuff often isn't really good. So this comes back again to prioritization. We often like to get it all done and we don't like the focus. So it might be like figuring out like where we actually need to go and focus. You know, maybe your core problem here you're dealing with, you know, I'll relate this back maybe to one of my past product organizations was that the team just simply didn't have a clear view of what actually the customer needs were across the organization. There's a lot of debate, a lot of discussion, a lot of frustration in different teams about how it was working and what things were like or being or how visible they were. And so by simply bringing all that feedback into a central repository, giving everybody visibility on the core problems that were being talked about, changed the whole discourse of conversation about what was important to build, why it was important to build, and really brought everybody into a little bit more alignment on that side. The fourth part kind of be, I would describe as like the process. Really, a lot of times when people make change, they try to do it all at once. They make it in a really the kind of big bang moment. And instead, you know, process, change needs to kind of step through periods of time. You know, change should be essentially continuous, not just kind of one and done kind of thing. And so the best way we can do this is kind of almost like, you know, with a hypothesis. We can basically experiment towards a change and towards a set of outcomes slowly over time, learning from that change as we're progressing and then ultimately our course as we go. 
much like Teresa Torres would do, say, with an opportunity solution tree and the experiments as part of that piece. You're evaluating a change in no different way, right? This is the goal we're trying to get to. What's the best path? And as we learn continuously, we adjust our path towards that course. And then the last piece really is the proof part of it. A lot of people just don't do a good job talking about the change. They don't do a lot of time like communicating in their organization about the wins that they're getting. They're not doing enough time and effort towards kind of learning from you know the team that's actually dealing with the change. What's working and, and adjusting course is part of that. So lots of opportunities there to like bring people together, to do weekly check-ins, retrospectives, those kinds of things. Transparently sharing your plans, getting stuff up on the, the walls and teams kind of excited about that piece is really critical on that side. So I think those are some of the pieces I think I've kind of run into on that end. Now, to answer your question a little bit about, you know, product board and how it makes it easier, you know, product board to me particularly solves three key pain points here. Again, understanding what user needs are. The second part is effectively being able to strategize and plan and set your direction for your product and where it's going to go. And the last part is really around communicating your roadmap and your plan. And so critical to implementing any tool is, is this tool best to solve for the problems that I have on my product team? And then likewise, what are the problems that we need to solve for? Where do we start? Are they, the, the problem is roadmap and communication? Is it that we don't understand our users' problems? Is that we have no real clear, kind of clear way to resolve our strategy? Each of those pieces can be tackled in different order, can be tackled in the way we need to on that side. It seems that when you bring a new tool to an organization, you have to do essentially the product work, exactly the same thing as what you would do as a product manager to bring a new solution to your users. Yeah, very much so. And again, like I think a lot of teams underestimate, I mean, to your point, they think like the tool is going to be the band-aid to the problems in the organization. And often, I mean, interestingly enough for us, what we often will see is when an organization comes in and decides you know, that they're going to use the product board or a product team decides they're going to use product board. And the interesting things, a part of that is product board can also act as a little bit of a forcing function for some of those teams. And so it might be like, oh, we're showing up here and we're prioritizing a bunch of features, but wait a second, we don't have actually any insights from any customers that this is actually important. Now that opens a whole set of other conversations on the product team about like, why exactly are we doing this? Why is this important? We don't actually have a clear plan. We don't actually have a clear way of making product choices and decisions. Or, wow, we're making lots of product choices and we're building lots of things, but that's pretty much output-oriented, really outcome-oriented. We're not focusing on really the core problems our users have and, and what we're hoping to solve. I guess it's a bit, bit of the chicken and egg problem of product first or uh, you know, team first in some cases. Yeah, and that's a great point, actually. Using the technology that you want to bring as a way to initiate those type of conversation. Yeah. The best way to kind of collaborate with a product evangelist is to understand what that product evangelist is trying to achieve, understand the places where they can play or where they can contribute. Great. So in this podcast, we also have a product manager, you know, asking you a question. This is Stefan Sabev. He is the director of product at Product Boards. So this is the first question. What are the type of insights that a product team can get from a community team that they cannot get anywhere else? I think the first part maybe might be insight into essentially how they do their work, how they execute on the delivery of product, how they approach, you know, working together and collaborating together as part of this. So one of the things community provides, you know, most cases are community included is a bit of a forum. And so I think what we can get to often is a depth of dialogue or a depth of conversation that doesn't occur sometimes in other channels as a result of that. So to use an example, I might submit a 
let's call it a ticket in some organizations, that's my piece of product feedback. And what it lacks is any of the contextual value that makes that product feedback more actionable by the product team, more understandable by the product team. And so a community can bring, I think, a further level of conversation on this. I kind of like to think of sometimes of a community discussion or a community conversation is like peeling back an onion progressively over time to get to the core of that onion. And you know that often gets missed in maybe how a lot of other feedback gets delivered to product teams in terms of what's important. This is the, the root understanding of the problem or the need. So the nice thing with our community is I get a chance to sometimes get to that just on my own with the member of our community, but I also might be able to bring in or draw in some of my own product team into that conversation, allowing them to dive even a little bit deeper and really truly understand essentially the core, core problem under it. Great. Thank you. And Stefan has another question. So let's hear this one. How can product teams help their community teams to foster better engagement and ultimately get better product outcomes? So the first thing that product teams can do with community teams is partner up. Just work together collaboratively. You know, I'm going to come back to a few of the things that we do inside our community. Best thing you can do is contribute to the conversations and discussions, whether that's like creating prompts and conversations about things they want to learn about, whether that's engaging with existing people that are in the community that are asking questions. The other part that we do in our community quite a bit is we run beta programs for different pieces of software. So we collaboratively co-create with customers on both understanding the problem space as well as the solution space. And so there's lots of opportunities there for them to kind of bring that expertise and transparency inside the community. They can also be a great source of knowledge. I think a lot of people, particularly in our case, because we're of course building something super meta like software for product managers who are using it to build software that's used by companies and people and all this kind of stuff. It's kind of meta, meta, meta at times. Is A lot of people are super interested in how we approach our craft. And so product teams can you know, engage with and tell a little bit of that story and share more about how they're using the product in their day-to-day work. Ultimately, it comes down to collaboration. It comes down to transparency. And it comes down to you know, opportunities to, to share essentially the knowledge and experiences that you've got inside your community. Okay, the final part of this podcast is a bit fun. I will give you two options and you pick one of them. You may elaborate on why you picked this one. I will start by the fact that you were client-facing in your previous roles, and now you have an audience of product people. Client-facing or product audience? Oh, that's a tough question. I think I like the client-facing because of the diversity of people that you encounter, the diversity of problems that you run into. At the same time, like there's so much of that, like in our in the product manager audience too. So it gets, this is, that's why it's such a hard choice between the two. So I think I'd still pick the client facing. I really like that. I guess the satisfaction that comes from solving a problem for someone like that, like empowering them to go off and do the work that they do on that end. Online events or in person? I'm definitely an in-person event fan. I really enjoy the opportunity to connect people like at a human level. Online events are great in terms of make them more accessible to a wider audience, particularly across time zones and some of that kind of stuff. But there's something special about like the human connection that comes with that, the emotion that maybe is missed, the intersections that we get when we run into each other, you know, walking to the beer or, you know, going to get a cup of coffee or something like that during a break. There's just something really magical about an in-person event. The final question from me on this one is you've got both roles, product evangelist and community lead. Which one do you prefer? I really like the evangelist side of it. Maybe it's my 
you know, prior early career being a musician and being on stage. But there's there's a ton of fun to the evangelist role in terms of being out there and, you know, getting to share all the passion that I have for the product that we have. My journey into this role was, you know, I was a prior customer of Product Board. You know, I got to use this software. I got to see the profound effect it had on me as a product manager and how I thought about and delivered the work that I did, how the impact it had on the teams and the organizations that I worked with and converting them to thinking more customer-centric and, and building really great products and products that really ultimately in the end delivered value and were kind of important. And so I enjoyed being able to like share that passion, to be able to communicate that and, and talk to other people. And so not that I don't get to do that in my community lead hat, it's just I get to do it maybe more in my evangelism hat. Great. Thank you very much. So it's been a very interesting conversation and I just want to highlight the, the key calls to action for product managers who've been listening. So I think one of the key ones is leverage the community of users. Go in there and learn about your users, what they're doing, answer some questions, be part of the conversation and use this as another source of feedback. Do you see any other main takeaway for product managers? Yeah, I think those are really great takeaways in this. I think the other piece maybe to highlight here too is like if you don't have a community today, it doesn't mean you need to necessarily jump in and go build one. You know, I think really would encourage product organizations to think about the kind of community they're trying to build, the purpose that community is actually going to serve for their organization, and then position essentially the decision about whether to go and build that. Because the community does require a degree of focus from the rest of your product organization, whether it be product success, sales, support, any other teams that are part of that. And so it's really critical that you think a little bit about the, the value and the reason why you're creating a community in the first place before you go and run off and, and go build one. Yeah. And talking about your overall as product evangelist, this is a role that is developing. We see more and more people in this position. As a PM, what is the best way I can leverage your knowledge, your passion, your time as well <laughs> to help me deliver my product? The best way to kind of collaborate with a product evangelist is to largely reach out and understand what that product evangelist is trying to achieve, understand the places where they can play or where they can contribute. And in a lot of cases, they're going to be looking for you know some outcomes essentially towards the goals that they have. A lot of product evangelists are focused on awareness and acquisition. So thinking a little bit about how is the thing that you're asking them to participate in going to help their organization from an awareness or from an acquisition perspective? How might the audience that you bring to that be best suited to the product that they're evangelizing? So for example, if someone showed up for our product wanting to talk about project management rather than product management, it probably wouldn't be a good positioning piece for us to spend time on as an example. But I think just be mindful of the fact too that product evangelists are often pulled in many directions. They have a lot of different demands, both within their organization and externally as well. And so just be mindful of their time, respectful of the, the energy that they have to give in this and being cognizant of the alignment with essentially their goals and the work they need to achieve. Thank you very much. So if the people who have listened to this episode want to get in touch with you, what should they do? Best place is find me in our community, which is at productmakers.com. That's the easiest spot to find me. Alternately, outside of that, you're welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. That's just linkedin.com slash Benry, B-E-N-R-Y. Find me on Twitter at the same handle, B-E-N-R-Y. Yeah, I'm happy to, to connect and chat, answer any questions anybody has. Perfect. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciated the discussion. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you everyone for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
and that it has enabled you to understand your stakeholder and inspired you to better work with them to make successful products. If so, please share the link with your friends and colleagues. And if you want to suggest some topics, some guests, if you have questions you'd like me to ask during the interviews, or if you have any feedback, you can write to me at magalipelissier at hotmail.fr.